Um, I've also inviting up some friends. This is my son, Judah, or family. Give him a cheer. And this is my dad, Chris. Um, so we're going to uh, read some Bible verses. So we'll start with my father, and he's going to read from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in with, within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases and neezes, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses he acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those that fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are but dust. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Awesome. Thanks very much. You guys can go and have a seat. Uh, John 3.16 this morning is our focus, possibly one of the most familiar Bible passages that we would know. And there is a saying that familiarity breeds contempt, and I pray this morning that that would not be the case with this verse. I pray that just because this verse is familiar to some of us, we wouldn't sit there and think that we have nothing more to learn because the depths of God and his word are unsearchable. His word is fresh for us each and every day, even this classic verse, John 3, 16 and 17. So I pray that today we would learn something. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for earthly fathers, but most of all, we thank you for our Heavenly Father. Jesus, would you, by your Spirit, encourage us this morning, teach us something new from your Word. Would we walk away changed? Would we walk away challenged and inspired and thankful for what you have done for us? 
Amen. So uh, my father, Chris, who you just met this morning, he tells me this story uh, that when I was young, probably a little bit younger than Judah, hopefully a little bit younger than Judah, we were reading the story of Noah and the ark, and I turned to him and said, Dad, how could you still be alive if you weren't on the ark? I looked at him, I thought he was so old that he must have been on the ark. Um, And uh, I look at him today and I still wonder how he survived (laughs) without being on the ark. Oh, my dad, I love my dad. Um, We used to travel around Tasmania, regional Tasmania. Um, He uh, just retired at the end of last year, actually, after 45 years of ministry. 45 years. We used to travel around regional Tasmania, and uh, he used to give sermons. And one of the ones that he used to like to give was around trust. And um, what he would do is in these little churches or halls, is he would find tables and chairs and anything that he could, and he'd stack them all the way up to the ceiling. And uh, me, as probably like a eight, nine, ten-year-old, would be the one that would have to climb up on this rickety kind of structure that he'd made. He fancied himself as a bit of a builder, but I reckon these weren't to code. And so I'm up there on the top of this, and all of the congregation's like fearful of what's going to happen, and then he just says one word. He says, jump. And I would jump off this structure, sometimes near missing the ceiling, and fall into his arms. Never once did he let me go, and I'm thankful for that. that <laughs> now, we're talking about authenticity. Authenticity, what is, it, what is it? I looked it up in the dictionary, um, as any good person teaching would, and uh, it says this, it's of undisputed origin, not a copy. It's genuine. Kind of like Vegemite, right? undisputed of origin. I was thinking, Vegemite's got to be like authentic. And so I look at the back of the label and it says made in Australia from at least 95% of Australian ingredients. So I mean, what hope do we have if Vegemite isn't even made in Australia from Australian ingredients anymore? I don't know, but authenticity is something that we're looking at at Door of Hope. Over the next three years, we're focusing in on it, and we really want to dive down into what it is to be authentic. What is it? What does it look like? What does it smell like? What does authentic relationships, conversations, living an authentic Christian life look like? So along with knowing people and also engaging our digital community, this is one of our focuses. Well, in John 3 we get a front seat view to an authentic discourse between Jesus and Nicodemus. And uh, if John 3 were a genre of movie, I think it would be like an action thriller movie. It's packed full of just backwards and forwards, and uh, it moves pretty fast. So this morning we're going to work our way through verses 16 and 17. And so here we see... Nicodemus, right in John, at John 3, Nicodemus is seeking out 
Jesus. He's seeking him out at night. He probably doesn't want to be discovered at this point in his journey. Um, But he has some questions um, that he wants to ask Jesus. However, Jesus controls the narrative in this passage. You see, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He wasn't just a Pharisee. uh, He was also part of the Sanhedrin. And so they're pretty big words, kids, but what it simply meant was that he was one of a select few who would lead Israel. He'd be like the court. He'd be the high, high judge. So there was probably around 20 to 70 of these high judges over, over the people. So he knew his stuff. He knew the law. He knew about God, and he knew about Jesus and what was happening. So he had some pretty tough questions. And it's in this setting... It's amongst these questions that we find Nicodemus and Jesus having a conversation, as recorded by John. We pick the story up in John 3.16, very well known. We start with, for God, simple two words, for God. You see, Nicodemus would have known this God. He would have known the creator God. He would have known this. He would have known Psalms like Psalm 24.8. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. He would have known the first commandment in Exodus 23. You shall love, have no other gods before me. He would have known these things. And in Romans, we now know Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you ever, if you're a dad here this morning, you ever want to remember that verse, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, just remember Mazda 323, and then you'll remember this verse. That's how I remember it, Mazda 323, for we all fall short of the glory of God. Those cars fell short in some way as well. So for God, we're talking about the God, the God of the universe, the master, the one who is in control. The second two words, what did he do with all his glory? He so loved this mighty God. This is what he did. He loved. 1 John 4.16 says this. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We see here in the second couple of words that God is motivated by love. He has this deep sense of love. We see his loving nature in what he does. For God so loved the world This is the who, for God so loved the world. And here, it's not a universalism kind of point of view. Here's the point that separates the sheep and the goats and those who are called by him. This is a challenging part of our beliefs, is that not all will be saved. You see, God so loved the world. His invitation is for all. Have we got any kids that have ever been invited to a party? Can you put your hands up? All right, I've got some. 
Okay, keep your hand up. If you've been invited to a party, but for some reason you were unable to attend, how did it make you feel? Pretty sad? Like you missed out? That's true. And for whatever reason, whether you were busy or you had something else on or you just couldn't make it, you couldn't attend that invitation, it didn't change the fact that you were invited. Maybe your whole class was invited to the party, but not the whole class could attend that party. Doesn't mean that the invitation wasn't there for you to attend. You see, we are all, the whole world, all of us, completely lost. We are all in need of a saviour, the authentic love of the Father. The invitation is for all, however not all will attend. You see, Nicodemus would have known scriptures like Psalm 136, verse 1, where it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. What did God and his steadfast love do? Well, we find that in the next couple of words. For God so loved the world that he, what did he do? He gave, very good. God gave a gift from heaven. Not a thoughtless gift. He had planned to give this gift. And I wonder, and maybe this morning you were given a thoughtless gift or a gift that you may not have appreciated. I was given all my gifts were appreciated, all my gifts kids, weren't they? They were good. And I got some socks. Um, I'm wearing them. I got given some socks. Did any dads get given some socks this morning? Well done, I'm wearing my socks. Um, I'll wear these socks. I love these socks. The fries. Shout out to the fries. Where are you? I'm wearing fries. Um, I had a joke wrapped up in my socks, which I thought was, was really special. Um, and this was the joke. I'll read it out to you. It says, How did the socks feel when they were taken off at the end of the day? Defeated. There you go. That's one for you. I love that gift. Thank you, Elsie. It was God also gave thoughtful, thoughtfully, from his heart, from heaven, the God of the universe. God gave this gift from heaven. I also got, oh, I got given a gift card. Did anyone else get given a gift card today? It's a really thoughtful gift. You can use it for a lot of different purposes. This one says, the ultimate gift for everyone. Do you think that's true? No, it's, it's my gift, thank you. <laughs> it's my card. It's got $100 on it too, thank you. Thanks very much for that. The gift God gave, do you know what the gift was? Well, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. What a gift. God gave his only son, the one who was with him at the very beginning who he loved and was well pleased with. Well pleased with. In a sense, God gave his word. God gave the word. God gave his word. In John 1, a couple chapters before this, 
It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him not anything was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. God gave his word. God gave his son. Why did he do it? Well, we'll find out in the next couple words. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes or believes, not everyone will believe. Do you believe this morning? Do you believe this morning? The definition of believe is this. Accept that something is true, especially without proof. To have faith in, trust, to have faith in this truth. You see, going to church, reading your Bible, doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to Bunnings makes you a hammer. I mean, that's probably a bad analogy because we're all tools, aren't we? (laughs) On our own, we're pretty useless. But in the hands of our master, creator God, we're of some use, aren't we? A few chapters later in John 6.35, Jesus replied with this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Here we see believing is linked to receiving and partaking in Christ. I see here that there are two options for us. Receiving and believing or rejecting and unbelief. And we need to recognise here our need for him, to recognise our thirst, even here this morning, our thirst for Christ. You see, our world is thirsty, is it not? Our world is thirsty. However, our culture is preaching a message that is counter this message we see in John 3.16. Our culture is preaching a message of Believing in what? Believing in in Jesus? No, no, no. Believe in yourself. Have faith in yourself. What good does that do? If it's based on me and my works, that's not good news. I can tell you what. That is not good news. But here in our culture, we have this message preached that you are good enough, that you are enough, that you can do it in your own strength. And to an extent, there's a little bit of truth in that. But when we're talking about our eternal destiny, our salvation, there is no truth in that. There is nothing that we can do to repay the debt that has been paid by our Father God, the authentic gift that was given so that we could live. There's nothing we can do to earn God's love, his forgiveness and his righteousness. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, 
that whoever believes in him, what? Shall not perish or should not perish. This is a change from our natural condemned state. A change from being in opposition to God. Romans 3.23, Mazda 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The world's default position, our default position, is the wrath of God and perishing. We are perishing and the only remedy is found in Jesus. We see this in John 3.36, the last verse of this chapter. It says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. That is a pretty tough place to be, remaining with the wrath of God on us, the wrath of a holy father, a loving father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. What a promise. From death to life, to have eternal life, is to take hold of, to have assurance of. This is a new reality for those who believe. Just like Jesus was talking to Nick. He was like, Nick, you need to be born again. You need to have a new nature. And Nick was like, how can one be born again? How can you go back into your, yep, and be born again? There's kids in the room. Birds and the bees, Elsie, how can you be born again? He could not understand this. But what Jesus was saying to him is, it is a new nature that you in and of yourself cannot do anything about. You cannot control in and of yourself except to come to me. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. As we've seen at the end of John 3, Jesus didn't need to condemn the world as it was already condemned. However, Jesus will come back to judge the world. That is our reality. John 5.22 says this, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is, <clears throat> an hour is coming 
when all who are in tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved. You see, not everyone will be saved. I wish it was true, but it just isn't. Did you know that over 30%, around 30% of gift cards remain unclaimed? Right? So if you just found one, Beck just found a gift card. You can redeem that gift card if you take it to the store that was purchased from. But did you know that around 30% remain unclaimed? You know, they were purchased, they were given. However, for whatever reason, maybe busyness, maybe indifference, maybe they got lost, maybe they were partially redeemed and there was still something on there, the amount of the card in part remains. You see, verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. It is not good works. It's not through attending church. It's not by being the best version of yourself. It's certainly not by believing in yourself. It's through God's authentic gift of love, through Jesus and only his completed work on the cross. Like this card that says the ultimate gift for everyone, the reality is that unless it's accepted and used, redeemed, believed, you know what I'm saying here, it's, it's useless. It's just a piece of plastic. It's a card. It does hold not much value in and of itself. You see, the reality is that some of us here this morning will not accept the free gift of grace that Christ has offered, that God has offered us in himself. Some will not accept this gift. Maybe it's because of busyness. Maybe because it's too hard. Maybe because you feel the invitation was lost or because of bitterness or something that holds it back. My prayer is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. Romans 8, 31, 39 says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I have an amen to that? This is the authentic gift of our authentic Father. A gift for the world, an invitation for the world that you would receive. Some will receive this morning even. A love no one can separate. Jesus, an authentic gift from our Heavenly Father of undisputed origin, not a copy. He's genuine. Today, will you accept this gift? Will you accept this gift that has been given? Maybe you accepted it a long time ago and you just forgot how good it was. You just forgot how important the gift is. The invitation. Maybe you never did. Maybe you never heard of this invitation. Maybe you've just accepted or anywhere in between. This morning, the invitation of God's love, His Son is here for us, that we would turn from our sin. We would turn from our wickedness. We would turn from believing in ourself, in our good works, in anything that we try and do, try and measure up to be 95% authentic is still not authentic. Sorry, Vegemite. Will you accept the gift, the ultimate gift that is for everyone? Let me pray. Father, thank you that you are good that you are authentic, that you loved us even though we were still far off. Even though there was nothing good in us, you still loved us. You loved us to the extreme. You loved us with intent. It wasn't thoughtless. You gave, you sent your son a gift we could not repay. I pray this morning that we would be caught up again in the magnificence of who you are. That we can bring our pain to you. We can bring ourselves to you as we are this morning. I pray that you would reignite a fire in us for John 3:16 and 17 again, if it became familiar. Would we not hold the Bible, your word, your gift in contempt? Would we not become familiar with your word, with your son? 
And for those who have never received, for those who have never accepted the gift that you offer, I pray this morning that some would accept and receive the gift that you gave, the perfect gift in your son. I pray that we would come to you humbled hearts, soft hearts, ears to hear, eyes to see your goodness, how perfect you are. We pray these things in your mighty name. Amen.